You're listening to Fan Holes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those that? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? Give up, Magneto. Give up and listen to Fan Holes, the pop culture podcast made for the fans by the fans. Fool! You dare threaten me with the metal podcast? With but a gesture, I'll turn it off and make you listen to it. Not this time, Magneto. This time the victory belongs to the fan holes. It's impossible! It cannot be! Nothing can resist my magnetic powers! The fan holes can, Magneto. Surrender, you haven't a chance. Why? Why will the podcast not obey me? How did you do it? How did you take away my powers? I didn't. I merely tricked you. You see, this podcast is made of wood. Wood? A wooden podcast? He tricked me with a wooden podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the exciting, random, awesome, stupendous world of Fanholes Podcast. This is Derek, Derek WC, and uh, I'm joined tonight here by my two fellow Fanholes. Give us a shout-out, guys. Hello, this is Mike. And this is Grimlock. And uh, tonight we're going to be delving into two different topics uh, in the world of television. Uh, we're going to discuss uh, a new ongoing series on Disney XD. It's called Tron Uprising. And this is kind of set in between the uh, feature film, you know, the original Tron film from the 80s. And uh, it obviously takes place before uh, the, the super awesome, stupendous, like, doesn't make sense, does make sense. People have been fighting over it. Sequel, Tron Legacy. So uh, we're going to talk about Tron Uprising. Leave and, Tron and, Legacy alone. Alone. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <clears throat> and then uh, in the world of uh, comic books, uh, we're going to be discussing uh, a fellow who has an ongoing series. You can follow his continuing adventures in uh, a comic book series called Venom, and uh, it stars Corporal Flash Thompson. And uh, he is the current Bondy with the uh, Venom symbiote. And so we're going to talk about that for a little bit, a uh, comic series from Marvel Comics. But uh, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll start off with the TV series. You can dress up like Tron all you want, but he's still dead. 
That's what they tell us. Why do you want programs to think he's alive? Maybe he is. And maybe if others think so too, they'll be braver. Think for themselves some more. Not sit still for Clue's rule. Do you really think if they believe Tron's alive, it will inspire a revolution? I know it will. Just if, in case anybody doesn't have any background on, you know, the basics of the TV series, I mean, it's pretty much set in the world of Tron. Like, there's never any kind of cutaway to the real world or anything. And, uh, you know, it's got uh, Frodo, or Elijah Wood, as uh, the lead character, Beck. So you're Tron? Huh. Thought you'd be taller. And, uh, you know, Beck's like a, a you know young guy who kind of works as a mechanic or whatever, and he ends up, you know, becoming, uh, I guess, the program, you know, who uh, who becomes uh, known as the Renegade, and he's uh, taken under uh, Tron's wing, you know, who is voiced by, uh, you know, Tron himself, Bruce Boxleitner. And, uh, you know, it's kind of all about the whole, uh, you know, I, I guess it's, it, it's a not-so-subtle allegory, you know, where the, these, uh, you know, the blue guys are going to end up revolting against the red guys, pretty much. So, uh, you know, and it's been on, uh, it, it was on early, uh, I guess, what, in the, uh, you know, it was like during May, like during the summer, they had, a, you know, what, like seven or so episodes that are on, and uh, I guess this last weekend, as we're recording this, um, you know, the uh, episode eight uh, came back on, and uh, supposedly the first season's going to have about 18 or so episodes. So we're kind of talking about it, you know, midway through what our thoughts are on stuff. But uh, I'll just ask Justin, because I know he was kind of into it, and he, he wants me to leave uh, Tron Legacy alone. I'll, I'll ask him uh, what, what some of his thoughts are on uh, Tron Uprising. Um, I usually enjoy it. You know, like a uh, previous show we talked about, you know, when you get up in the morning or when you sit down to watch your shows, there's ones that you look forward to and ones you don't. Well, this is one that I usually look forward to. Um, not that every episode has been great or has blown me away, but you're usually in for something fairly interesting because I, I like the Tron universe. You know, I loved the original as a kid. I liked Tron Legacy. Um, and this is a good, like, you know, like you said, it takes place between both those movies. And this is a good you know, series that kind of fills in some of the gaps, you know, like what happened between the first and uh, movies. Um, there's some things that haven't quite happened yet I'm kind of curious about, like that we haven't seen, you know, Kevin Flynn at all. Um, I don't think we've seen Clue. I think he's been a referenced. Yeah, yeah, they kind of reference him. him, but we don't see him. I wonder if that's because they're using Bruce Boxleitner and they kind of don't want to reference Clue or Flynn at all. I mean, I guess I could understand like Flynn not showing up because he's supposed to be hiding out in the Badlands or whatever, the, the rocky mountainous area of uh, computer land or whatever. But uh, yeah, you would think, you know, since Clue is supposed to be, you know, the, the man, you know, the, the, the big bad, you know, uh, order, you know, providing order to the chaos that is the grid, you know, like you would think he would have a more, I don't know, uh, you know, bigger presence on the show. But but I guess all that seems to be uh, deflected onto Lance Hendrickson's character. So, like, and he is, I'm trying to remember what his name is. General uh, Tesler. General Tesler. So, yeah, like, he seems to be, like, the main guy that everybody's kind of, you know, 
you know, he's carrying out all the orders and making all the, you know, plans to, like, stop the renegade, whether it's, you know, offering some guy a car to, you know, <laughs> turn him in like he did this week, you know. Or I, what, I, what just, I just want to say, like, the latest episode, the one you're talking about with the new car, like, that's one of those episodes, like, I didn't really quite enjoy. And, like, I thought that whole sequence was going to be a dream or something because it's, like, turning the renegade and you get... A brand new car. <laughs> like, wait, it, you thought is it was that for like, real? Yeah, another like another dream or something like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's weird. It's like, uh, you know, like I kind of think of it more like uh, like the Clone Wars, I guess. You know, like <laughs> what, what do you think, Mike? Like, I mean, and, and I don't mean that as a negative thing or anything. I think it's something that I, you know, I, I obviously it's entertainment. I enjoy watching it, but I kind of. Um, you know, feel like it's a little like I, I, I still kind of lean towards the spoony rant that he gave on Tron Legacy where, you know, I'd kind of like to see something a little more in tune with the real world. Like who wrote these programs? Why did they write them? What are they for? Like, I, I don't really get what Beck, you know, it's like, do, is he like a, you know, virus protection program? Is he a program that, you know, just, you know, carries out, you know, I don't know. I just kind of wonder what the what what it is, what they are analogous to in the real world because I can't imagine like it's like I wrote a program and all the programs are going to go to raves and like dance around and have weird Aeon Flux <laughs> hair you know like I don't Eric, get what he, the he fixes bikes and makes them go fast what is the bike what's the you know make I, bike go fast now <laughs> what what is the bike in the world of the computer like I I don't know but anyway but uh what, sorry Mike what do you what, I mean have you been watching the series have you seen all the episodes like what's um Actually, I've seen two episodes, okay. and one one was the most recent one that Justin is talking about, and the other one was the one where Beck lost his identity disc, okay. like someone yeah, stole yeah. it off they, him. They and I, yeah, it was it. I kind of agree with Justin where it was kind of like a stark contrast because the one where he lost his disc was kind of like a darker episode, yeah. and this last one was kind of like yeah, like almost like goofy yeah. in some places where you're like yeah, you win a free car, you know, like what <laughs> what <laughs> like what. I, like I was kind of like, well, that was kind of like uh, two opposite ends of the spectrum, sort of. But you know, uh, yeah, I kind of agree with you that I'd like to see more of like the real world. I guess it's, like, it's weird because like you would think. I guess I was thinking about it today, and it's kind of like this show in terms of of dealing with the human world. Like they never deal with the human world, so in some sense, it might be kind of like you know, a Transformers fan's wet dream of, you know, having a, a television series set on Cybertron without any young human sidekick kids. I mean, that's kind of what you might think of it as, but but also, in some sense, you kind of lose some context, you know, in terms of Tron, because, you know, I kind of miss the idea of, you know, you had Alan Bradley in the real world, and since he wrote the Tron program, he looks like Tron, you know, and you had that kind of yeah. connection to the real world. And it kind of makes me wonder, like, who wrote General Tesla? Like, who wrote Paige and Mara and, you know, all these guys? And it's like, you know, that that's kind of like, okay, they're leading a revolution, you know, against Clue because he's, you know, making the, the perfect order, you know, world or whatever. But I'm kind of like, well, I don't know that I care too much about some of these guys like that, that dude, uh, what's his face? Um Who's the the buddy, the friend of his, or whatever? Abel, or I don't know. No, that's the boss. Zed. Zed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like I hate him. it's it's like he's just kind of like 
I don't know. He just seems like he really likes that chick Mara, but he never says anything about it. And, you know, he's just kind of like there and he he's easy to turn on people. It seems like he's supposed to be like a good friend, but it's like if something's wrong, it's like, oh, it's that damn renegade's fault or oh, <laughs> God damn it, Beck. Like, why are you being Frodo? And I hate you. And, you know, and I'm just kind of like, who wrote that program? Like, what a waste of fucking space. He's, like, he's no Samwise Gamgee. Yes, yes. But, uh, you know, I don't know. You know, th- that kind of stuff, like, you know, I, I know I was, you know, kind of more critical of the series. I still I still enjoy watching it from week to week. Like I like you were saying, Justin, I like the Tron universe. I mean, it's fun. I just kind of wonder about stuff where instead of using like recognizers, sometimes they have like literal light helicopters and like light Oops. boats. And I'm just kind of like, why are they going to the docks on water? Like, I know that there's water in Tron. Like, there's water in the original movie, and they drink the water, and it, like, powers them up. But, like, I don't understand what the dock is for. And, like, it just seems like one of those things where it's like somebody like, you know, Dan Jurgens had a script lying around where they went to the docks. It's like they, they watched too much Batman Begins, and they're like, yeah, it was cool when he went down to the docks. And he took guys out at the docks. And I'm just kind of like... Why are they at the docks? Like, what's a computer docks warehouse by the bay on a computer? Like, is it by the, the, is it like a customized dude's computer where he's got a custom water cooler to keep the computer from heating up? Like, I don't know. I just, I'm like, what is it? I don't know. I I, I get what you're saying about, like, having real world, real world characters. Like, it would be neat to see, like, the outside world and have Alan... Or um, you know Dillinger Junior from Legacy or yeah. something, yeah. but like me, like I I think it's fine without that, or or maybe it's something they could introduce in a later season or something. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's that's a good point. Um, what like about like any of the other like? Do you want to talk about any of the voice actors like besides Frodo? Like that? that yeah, like, I. Like, I think um, Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman, is really good yes. as uh, his character. Like, I hate that character, but he does such a good job. He's kind of like, his name is uh, Pavel, I guess, but he's yeah. like uh, the second-in-command to General Tesler, kind of like a, a Starscream to Lance Hendrickson's Megatron, if you will, I guess. You know, he's kind of always trying to find underhanded ways to, you know, bring in the Renegade, but at the same time kind of make Tesler look shitty in front of Clue, I guess, is the idea, or that kind of thing, so... Um, I think, um, besides Bruce Boxleitner and, and Frodo, um, the, the chick who does Paige, like the other, I guess, um, you know, uh, you know, soldier type chick or whatever that's, that's after the Renegade, like she apparently did the voice for Chitara on that new Thundercats TV show. So there's that kind of connection. And the, the late lamented one. <laughs> yes. The, the late lamented, uh, new Thundercats television show. Which, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I guess by now it's got to be canceled. So, um, And then um, Abel uh, is, is voiced by, I guess, fans of like stuff like Fringe or Oz or Homicide or I don't know. What else has he been on? Um, uh, the Wire, like uh, uh, Reginald uh, Vell Johnson. Like, he, you know, he's, he's the, the guy who uh, does the voice for the guy who owns the garage. But, uh, you know, you might know him as, like, the guy who did the voice for Falcon on Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. But, you know, he kind of plays, like, the guy who uh, is, like, their, their stern but gruff but nice boss or whatever, you know. So, But he runs the mechanic stuff. And then I guess uh, 
uh, what's her face um, from Battlestar Galactica does the voice of the grid. So I have to say, like aside from Tron and Bex, the only character I'm even remotely interested in is um, Paige, and that's just because I keep expecting her to like you know finally see the light and become a good guy and turn against. Uh, Tesla, like that's kind of what I'm waiting for. Yeah, yeah. It seems so, like she's gonna have an arc, maybe like kind of like Maria Hill or something, where she yeah. starts out as like you know this this evil bitch or whatever, but she'll she'll eventually help Tony out, or you know, in this case, I guess you know, help out uh, Beck and Tron or something. But, but like all the other characters, like I don't really care for any of them. Like I don't care for Zed. Like I can't stand him. I don't really care for the girl. He's like kind of sweet on or whatever i just i don't really connect or care to anybody else like i, I guess for me i'm just kind of interested in seeing how they get tron from like a to z in terms of you know prequelism or whatever you know like i'm yeah. curious i'm like oh well he's not a bad guy now but at some point he's got to become like you know this you know blank slate guy that he was in in tron legacy you know so i'm kind of curious how it gets to that point you know yeah like i I wonder, like, if that's something they're gonna do for like a season finale or like another, you know, another season. If it gets another season, like, I think it would be neat if he did become, you know, the bad guy and he was constantly fighting back. I think that would be interesting. And then, you know, they had one episode where Cora was a guest star, and you know, it was actually yeah, Olivia yeah. Wilde. So I'm kind of wondering, well, you know, is there, are they gonna bring her in and use her more? Because that would be you know, that would be pretty cool. But I don't know if they could, you know afford her yeah, you know, yeah, every episode. Well, maybe that's why we don't see... Maybe, maybe they want to preserve the... Um, you know, preserve the the authenticity of uh, Clue and and uh, Flynn. So, obviously, if they're not going to get Jeff Bridges to do anything, they just want to, you know, pretend like, you know, Flynn's off doing his Zen Big Lebowski thing off in the, <laughs> the computer hills. <laughs> He's and, at an evil peace conference. You know, and, and that, that clue is, I don't know, he's, he's, <laughs> he's just rattling his fingers on some throne room somewhere. Yeah, if Transformers Prime can only afford The Rock for that one episode, then, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you don't think they're going to, yeah, obviously they're not going to get Jeff Bridges or anything. So, or, well, the Cliff Jumper showed up again recently, but he was voiced by a rock sound alike. So yeah, yeah. So no, if they if 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 they do show up, it'll probably be somebody else. Kind of like how they get all these other guys for the Clone Wars instead of uh, you know the the quote unquote real actors. You know what's Hayden Christensen doing that's so important? That's so important. No wait, never mind. We don't want him. <laughs> but um, is there anything like that? Like I mean, in terms of like I guess. I don't know, like themes or plots you want to talk about, like like the identity disc stuff. Like I thought it was kind of interesting. They had an article where you know they they tried to. It seemed like they were really stretching to me, but you know Justin might disagree. But they were really stretching to make Tron Legacy like this. You know, like it had this deep hidden meaning because you know basically you know it starts out with you know Flynn's son and how he's basically you know helping everybody pirate software. But, you know, midway through the movie, you find out, like, your identity disc, you know, yeah. basically is comprises everything there is about you. And when somebody steals that, when somebody takes it, then it totally turns that piracy thing on its head. Like, in other words, 
you know, I, I guess the simplest way to put it into layman's terms is like, you know, somebody may, you know, pirate uh, a song or, uh, you know, a, a movie or, or what have you. Right. And they figure who cares? Like, it's just a movie or a song. But imagine if somebody somehow pirated your Facebook page or hacked your, you know, email account or something like that. Then all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's my email. That's my Facebook page. And then you're pissed. Do you know what I mean? So like. It's kind of interesting, like, you know, the the article I thought was interesting that was describing it, and I guess I didn't think of it in terms of that, you know, I didn't think of that that much during Tron Legacy. You know, I was more kind of thinking, you know, after I kind of saw Spoonies rant about it, you know, I was kind of more thinking about, you know, oh, why can't, like, an 8-quad processor be, like, a dude who looks like Vishnu with, like, 17 arms and a bunch of swords and... You know, things that he was talking about where, you know, you kind of watch this and it's like, oh, okay, well, I like the idea about the identity disc being, you know, super personal. But, you know, like I said, I kind of wish like there were other things like, you know, what would be, you know, the equivalent of, you know, virus software? Is it the troops? Is it not the troops? You know, what would be the equivalent of, you know, a hacker or something like that? Like, you know, are the guys that just go to the rave clubs, you know, programs that are you know, just gamer-type programs that are, you know, whereas maybe the guys in the red are more, you know, government-industrial programs, like, you know, that that kind of stuff, like, that I'm kind of curious about. But what do you guys, I mean, do you have any thoughts on that in terms of theme or style or anything like that? I, I did have kind of trouble, like, figuring out, like, who was what, and, like, I mean, I've only seen the two episodes, but, like, I was just kind of like, you know, like, okay, so what do, you know, what do the color-coded lights mean, you know, like, who is what, kind of? Yeah, it's like, because in the original movie, I mean, it's pretty much, like, you know, generic programs are, you know, in blue, but then all the red programs are, like, supposedly the you know, the military warrior type programs, right? So, I mean, in terms of that, you know, you've got Clue bringing like all this, you know, basically to me, it seems like it's, you know, trying to imply, you know, a militaristic, you know, uh, rule of the, the grid and kind of wiping out any kind of quote unquote free thought. So, you know, to me, the blue programs would be like, dude, uh, I'm an app for smoking pot, like, and let's go to the rave or whatever. You know, like that. That's kind of how I think of it. It's like there's not, you know, whatever the judgment is on that. You know, to me, it's like okay, so you've got these apps that are, you know, these programs that you know could be considered frivolous and not, you know, order filled. So you know, to me, Clue is like sitting there going, oh, what's all this crap you've got on your desktop? You know, like, I'm just going to wipe your hard drive clean and make this all nice and neat and, like, you know, fix it, you know, like, whereas to other people, they're like, what are you doing, dude? That's like a wallpaper of, you know, my family or that's a, you know what I mean? Like, to, 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 to the other side, it's 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 really important. But to, to the, I guess you'd say, like, the, you know, clues side, you know, it's kind of like it's all about making things nice and neat and kind of anal retentive and that kind of stuff. Um, like, I guess I'm, like, on the outs here because, like, the specifics of, like, what this program is and what they do, like, I, I don't know, I'm not, like, I'm, like, concerned with that. Like, whenever you, you, like, start to get into that territory, I always, like, immediately go back to, like, reboot and think of, like, stuff, like, in terms of reboot. I don't know if that makes any sense, but 
No, I'm actually glad you mentioned reboot because I kind of feel like you know I was like a reboot kind of like I mean I know Tron obviously you know uh, outdates a reboot and at least as a franchise or whatever. But I'm kind of I like I can't help but compare this show to reboot and like you know kind of think like well reboot already did all this stuff pretty much you know. I guess I'm kind of in the dark, because that was a mainframe show. Like, I know I've seen Beast Wars and Beast Machines, but I never even watched Reboot, so I don't know anything about, like, when, when you guys say that, it kind of, to me, it doesn't hold any meaning for me, so I don't know what that means exactly, other than I'm assuming, you know, since it's called Reboot, like, it's obviously it has some kind of parallels to, you know, the computer world and, and personifications of that, you know? Yeah, it's kind of similar to Tron where you have, like, characters and each character has, like, a specific function. But, like, in Reboot, it's like it, it is a computer world. And, like, in Reboot, you know, you can go to different systems or it's like if your comp- – it's like, you know, when your computer slows down or, or it starts to mess up, like, in the Reboot world, like, it starts to look damaged and stuff like that. And they also yeah, have, like, like, incoming games. It's like yeah. you know, the user <laughs> okay. can do stuff. It's, like, it's not, like, static, like Tron, where it's just, like, oh, clues messing stuff up. Like, in Reboot, they can be in the middle of doing something important. It's, like, incoming game, and this big square of light comes down, and it's like, well, they're in the game now, so whatever they were doing, they got to stop. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to me, I just kind of think of it back to terms of, like, Alan Bradley and Tron. It's like Tron was a security program. That's why he existed. He was a security program... You know, and he basically said, hey, the MCP's fucking up security. Like, that's why we have to take him out. It wasn't, like, super complicated or anything, but he literally had to communicate with, you know, it's like, I've got to call Alan One, you know, and he has the scene, you know, and it's like, in here, it's like, well, nobody communicates with anybody, and, you know, I, I you know, I'm like, okay, Beck's a renegade, but, like, what, why is, you know, I don't know, to me, I'm just kind of like, oh, it's it, it seems like Beck and Mara and, uh, you know, Zed are just kind of like, you know, representational of, you know, quote-unquote, the youth of today, whereas they're not really programs. They're just kind of like, hey, we're going to go to raves, and we want to, like, do our jobs, but not too, we don't want to work too hard, you know, we just want to kind of work hard enough and then go out and play and have everything be like the good old days when we used to, like, race bikes and there were no consequences, but now all of a sudden, uh, you know, our our town is occupied and we can't race like the good old days and always go to the clubs because, you know, it's like everybody, you know, all, all the red-suited guards that were played by uh, Jackson Bostwick in the original movie are, uh, you know, running around, you know, pushing people around and, and, and being, quote-unquote, you know, bad and stuff like that, so... What about like uh, like like character designs? Like this kind of reminded me of uh, like Aeon Flux a little bit with everybody kind of yeah. looking angular and stuff like that. And lanky. Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of. I I wasn't sure I was gonna like it, you know, when I saw like the trailer for the series, but it's it's really kind of grown on me. I have to admit. Yeah, I don't I don't mind the character designs at all. There's, I mean, the animation is I like, pretty good. Yeah, I was going to say, I like that thing they do with the animation that, like, I don't know, it, it looks, like, slightly, like, jerky, almost. Like, it's almost, like, computer, like, older computer graphics, almost. I don't know, like, it's it's kind of like a weird, like, your eye is playing tricks on you type, like, kind of movement of all, like, the the characters and stuff. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but it's, it's like, I don't know, there's, like, this weird, like, optical illusion, almost, when everyone moves. Just in terms of like, 
like how they move or that it looks yeah older. I don't like I don't it's hard to describe like it it seems like like everyone's like moving like I I don't know it's it's, it's really you have to like watch it and see like it everyone's like moving out of sync with like like it's in sync but it's I don't know I'm not describing it too well it just looks like jerky and like unnatural I guess. But you think that's like a stylistic choice more than yeah, yeah, it's like it's shitty, it, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I guess I could get that. Like, I mean, because definitely, like the the way their, you know, the character design is, you know, it, it definitely seems to be a specific choice. And then the way, you know, the all the kind of movement of the characters, like to me, it definitely seems to be on purpose. Like what they're, you know, what they're trying to get across. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I have that much more to say about it. I mean, I do enjoy watching it week after week. I like, uh, you know, I like Lance Hendrickson's performance, and I always like listening to Bruce Boxleitner. I'm kind of looking forward to see, you know, what, what happens to Tron and how, you know, how they sort of bridge the gap between, you know, what we know of Tron in the first movie and, and what we know of Tron in Tron Legacy. So is there any other thoughts you guys have on uh on uprising that you want to share with the folks at home. I just want to know where's the little guy from the first movie, the bit who goes yes, no. Yes. What happened to him? He was he was uh, you know. The, the, Me and have, have questions. They, they don't need bits anymore. You know, they 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 just need gigabytes and stuff. Everybody's tired. They, they should just have a see. They should have a room full of bits. Where it's like, you know, they're all the way up to the ceiling, and then it'd be like some dude's, like, you know, one terabyte hard drive. (laughs) And they'd all be, like, in unison, like, all 12,000 million of them. Yes! You know, and you're like, oh, and the guy falls over, and all the bits come out of the closet or whatever. But see, yeah, I kind of missed that. That'd be nice. What about you, Mike? Do you think you would uh, continue to watch the show at all? I know you've only seen a couple episodes. Like, is it something you're into, or is it just something that, you know, you kind of watch for the show and you kind of think of, like, a passing fancy where, you know, you watch a few episodes, but that's about it, or? I didn't hate it or anything. I don't think I'll follow it, though. It's like, you know, the Tron Tron, uh, franchise doesn't hold, like, a lot of appeal to me, really. I mean, it was okay, but it's not anything I absolutely, like, have to follow, really. Yeah. Okay. Anyone can suit up and pretend to be Spidey. <laughs> and I can prove it. Cool. So I guess I guess that kind of wraps things up for uh, thoughts on, on Tron Legacy. But we're going to go ahead and move on to the uh, comic segment of the show. And, uh, of course, I, I mentioned it before, but this is the, you know, the further adventures of uh, Flash Thompson as, uh, you know, Venom, secret agent, Venom, secret Avenger, Venom. And, uh, you know, this series started in 2011, so it's been going on for, like, about two years now. Uh, it started out, uh, you know, Rick Remender was the writer on it, and uh, I guess for the last couple months, you know, uh, Colin Bunn has been the solo writer on it, but he and Rick Remender co-wrote, I think, an arc, you know, somewhere in the middle of the uh, the run. But uh, I know I know uh, Justin and Mike are both big fans of Venom, so I- I'm going to turn it over to them and let them kind of wax poetic about you know w- what they like about it, you know what if they have any problems with the series or how they feel it's been progressing. You go first, Mike. I know you're the bigger fan here, probably. 
Okay. Um, well, you know, I've always, I, what do you call, obviously I'm a huge Spider-Man fan, and I've always been a fan of Flash Thompson. He's always been, like, probably my favorite, like, supporting Spider-Man, like, cast member. I've never really been a fan of Venom, though, and, you know, what? obviously, yeah, yeah, la gasp. <laughs> but, you know, I've never thought, you know, Eddie Brock was that good of a, a villain, and, you know... Even like you know when I when I first started reading, I was kind of like, oh yeah, huh? like evil Spider Man, like okay, you know that's that's kind of cool. But you know Eddie Brock himself has always been kind of you know either uh, pretty dull to me or just kind of I don't know over the top. You know he he always seemed kind of like ridiculous even for like a comic book villain. You know just he seemed to always kind of like melodramatic and you know we always joke about the you know Derek calls it the toe stubbing yeah, and yeah, all that. that that's like, basically like, Venom you know or Eddie Brock at least that's that's kind of where a lot of that sprung from the whole you know you stubbed my toe thing you know so and then that's kind of funny that you bring that up because the one thing I wanted to mention was it, it's funny because Brock is in this series which I had some questions about which I was going to ask but um but, like, eventually he does get uh, kind of, like, really messed up, like, towards, like, I don't know, what is it, like, issue 17 or 18 or something, where he gets bonded with Toxin or whatever. But, like, yeah. I, I was like, I kept reading those panels a couple times, like, because he has a big fight with, with uh, you know, Venom, you know, with Flash Thompson. And then it's like, there's, it's like he's coming at him, and then, and then he shoots him. And then I guess for some reason he has incendiary bullets or something because I don't know what was going on because all of a sudden everything's on fire and I'm kind of like oh okay everything's on fire now I guess he shot fire bullets at Toxin to like get him away from you know because they haven't totally bonded yet you know that symbiote but then it's like you know it's like the ultimate like like random toe stubbing because it seems like Flash Thompson's like he does this cool hail mary play you know where he's like okay. I I separated him from the symbiote and I webbed him out of there and everything. You're gonna be a okay, Brock. You're gonna be a o. And then he just gets <laughs> pulled back, like snatched back, like right away. And then the toxin symbiote's like on fire, so it's like he's bonding with it, but he's also getting like burned to death. And I didn't know, you know. And I was just like, dude, talk about like mega toe stubbing for later, like because he's gonna be like, <laughs> you burned me and you bonded me and you fucking really, really stubbed my fucking toe. You know? Yeah. Like it just seemed like that kind of thing where I was like, wait, he totally saved him like a second ago. Like I don't get it, but. You know, I, I I was a little well. I guess I'll I'll get to, into it later because I want to talk about Flash a little bit more. But uh, it I I guess I might as well just say yeah that like I thought like it started like when Brock first came back in this series and well actually first he shows up as anti Venom in in like the uh, Spider Island tie in which is fine and cool and then he comes back and like when Remender first said like uh, I was gonna like he was gonna like bring Brock back and make him sort of like the Van Helsing of symbiotes and stuff. I was like, oh, that's kind of, you know, that sounds like a good idea and stuff, but I feel like he didn't, like, la- like hang on to that for, like, long enough. Like, yeah, that, you didn't, know, that didn't seem to last too long. I guess because he was running out of, like, you know, Mort symbiote people or something like that. <laughs> to kill. You know yeah, what I mean? Because there's, like, there's, only, the there's only so symbiotes. many Mort symbiotes that Marvel will let him get away with, like, whacking before... You know, they'll, they'll, you know, because it's like, what do you do after you whack those six uh, idiots from, uh, 
what separation anxiety, you know, then it's like, okay, now what do I do? You know, like that kind of thing. I guess for me that that was the other continuity question I had. Like, did, did somehow Reed Richards like use up anti-venom like in a comic I've never read, like the matrix got used up or something. Yeah, in Spider Island, uh, uh, he he used anti venom to or the whatever the anti venom symbiote was to create a cure for like all the spider infected people. Okay, I guess and, I just, like I guess that drained all of it. Okay, I was like trying to remember. I'm like, when did that happen? Like, I don't remember when that happened. But all right, so. But um, I just wanted before we went on the the Eddie Brock tangent. I just wanted to say that like you know bonding the symbiote to a character I actually liked kind of like really alleviated any kind of apprehension I had about Venom. And you know it it, it I thought it made like perfect like total sense that like it, you know Flash Thompson is like was at least Peter Parker's, like, rival, like, in his Peter Parker identity. So, you know, making him, like, sort of, like, bonded to, like, making him sort of almost like a dark Spider-Man, I thought, made, like, a kind of, like, twisted sense almost. So, you know, I was I was kind of right behind the uh, concept to begin with. And, you know, uh, he already had, like, the military background. So, you know, and, you know, it's like Venom with guns. It's like, why didn't they come up with this in the 90s? You know, this would have gone like like people would have gone ape shit over this in the 90s but you know i i i really thought it was a good idea and you know i'm glad like you know flash thompson gets his own like book now and stuff so you know i'm I'm pretty like i like it so far there have been weaknesses and stuff and like i will i'm sure we'll get into that but you know on the whole I, i really enjoy this incarnation of venom and it's probably the first incarnation of venom that i've really like really like wanted to stick around and like um i think they can do a whole lot with and i'm kind of afraid almost because like it's it's only going to take like you know one creator like they're gonna like the 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 character will kind of like the sales will like get leveled out and you know then one creator will come in with a pitch and be like you know man venom was like so much cooler when he was like eddie brock and a bad guy and we're gonna make him Brady Brock and a bad guy again, and then, you know, this cool take that I'm enjoying will be gone forever, but, you know, until then, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Hey, Flash, hope you don't mind me crashing your party. Truth is, I plan on crashing a lot of parties this year, so if you run into my bro, Pete, tell him we will see him soon. Nah, his, his popularity will increase solely due to Thunderbolts, Mike. Yeah, I, I guess that's a yeah. I guess that's a a necessary evil if you know they want to increase his popularity. I mean, I I love him on Secret Avengers yeah. too. Like, I, I really think he's a cool part of that team, and he like he plays off these characters. Like, it's kind of funny that like he has had more interaction with like people like uh, like Valkyrie and like. Uh, uh, like Captain Britain, and you know, than like Spider Man has. So that's, I think that's kind of funny. But well, you know, uh, we can always go back and read Marvel Team Up and assume yeah, exactly. that, that he's met everybody in the Marvel universe. So that's pretty much, yeah, he probably has. But I don't know. It just seems like he has more of a connection with these characters. Yeah, though. yeah. Well, they they were, they were teammates and stuff. So that's a little different from just you know a random team up every now and then. He has more of a connection with Valkyrie. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. They shared toothbrushes <laughs> as guardian big old gold toothbrushes together. Yeah. <laughs> what, what about you, Justin? Like, what's your take on, on uh, Corporal Flash Thompson, a.k.a. Secret Agent Venom? Um, I really like this book. Like, if it wasn't for Mike, I probably wouldn't have started reading it. Because I remember um, him posting, like, that teaser cover image of, like, you know, Secret Agent Venom. And I, was, I saw it, and I was like, what? This is way different. And I was like, I don't know if I want to even try this. So I waited, like, four or five issues, and I was like, so, Mike, is this worth reading? Is this, like, something I can read without having read Spider-Man in years? And he was like, yeah. So I read it, and I really liked it. And this was, like, the start of me, like, going or getting back into, like, reading Spider-Man, to be honest. Like, I hadn't really bothered with any Spider-Books. But I really like it. I, I think you guys had mentioned on an old podcast, it's like, you know, growing up, you either read Jerk Flash Thompson, or I guess, like, Mike, you read, like, you know, Down on His Luck, Warrior Hero Flash Thompson. Like, yeah, like, or... Peter Pete's best buddy, Flash Thompson, yeah. kind of. Like me, like I read Jerk Flash Thompson, so I was like, I don't like Flash Thompson. I like I'm not I don't really care much for Venom either, so I don't know if I like this book, but it it's a really great book. Like I like I like Flash Thompson. That's really weird thing to say. Like, and I identify a lot with like his background, like especially like you know his childhood. Like I identify with that a lot. So some of those issues kind of get to me, like especially. Remender's, I think it was Remender's last issue, where like he was dealing with like a lot of like you know stuff going on with his personal life. Like I was oh, like, oh, that's that's where it like cut to like the flashbacks, but then it ended up with him fighting Jack O' Lantern that last time. I think. Yeah, like I really love that issue. Um, like I kind of identify with a lot of that, but but yeah, it, it's been a really great book. Like I don't think there's been an issue where I've just like absolutely hated. Like there's a few like I'm I'm like oh, that was. That was okay, but I like it surprised me how much I liked it. You know, kind of like Mike, I really like him on Secret Avengers. Like when I heard when I heard Remender was taking over Secret Avengers, I was like, "That's awesome!" And then when I heard he was bringing Venom, I was like, "That's even more awesomer." Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Uh, like I, I I was surprised. Just a quick thing, I was surprised how much I enjoyed that uh, like new Fantastic Four like homage yeah. uh, crossover. Oh, okay. So you you really like the Circle of Four thing where they yeah. basically they they had like issue thirteen and then they did all the point one through four. Oh, except except for the really stupid numbering scheme. Yeah, but yeah I, I enjoyed that story. Yeah, I guess I guess if they hadn't done that numbering scheme, like Venom would be on like you know thirty seven by now or something. But now it's only on. Like issue twenty seven or something or whatever it is, but uh, like yeah, um, like I even enjoyed. I know there's one story or at least one plot point like Mike didn't seem so keen on that I liked, uh, and that was the reveal of the Crime Master. I don't know if that's because I have like less Spidey experience than Mike or or not, but I, I thought that was really kind of cool. I, I my problem with that was like twofold. Uh, one, like, it's moments like that where I start to agree with, like, Steve Ditko that, like, you know, why does every masked villain have to be, like, related to someone, like, already in the book, you know? Mm. Like, why couldn't it have just been some random guy? But, I mean, I also recognize, like, Stan Lee's viewpoint that, like, it would be a dramatic cheat if it wasn't, like, someone you knew already. But, I don't know. And my second thing was, there was, I thought, like, 
I don't know, Bennett Brandt was around for one issue before he died. And, like, I mean, sure, that's that's enough, like, that you can, like, kind of fudge it and say he was, like, always like this. But, like, also, I'm like, you know, he didn't seem like the type of character to be do all this, like, kind of stuff. Like, I don't know if you got Justin, you, you read Untold Tales of Spider-Man, yes. right? Did you, Derek? Did you read? Yeah, yeah Untold I, Tales? I read some Untold Tales. Do you remember the character of Gordon Savinsky, was who was Betty Brant's ex-boyfriend? Yeah, the name sounds familiar. Yeah, like there was an issue where like she had an ex-boyfriend who who it was revealed he was the one who got like Bennett into gambling and he had like mob ties and like he comes back and he's got like super strength and Spider-Man has to fight him and I was like well he would have made a great like cri- like reveal for Crime Master but like I guess he doesn't have the name power of Bennett Brant but <laughs> Like, I was just kind of like, oh, that's kind of a missed opportunity there. But, you know, uh, like, like everything that Bennett Brandt says and does in, like, that Venom arc, like, that could, like, it, it's almost like, like uh, maybe just because I read, reread Ultimate, uh, I mean, uh, Untold Tales, like, recently, like, I was like, that could have all come out of Gordon uh, Savinsky's mouth. Like, all of that was, like, perfectly in step with his characterization, but, you know, I guess that's not, it's too obscure, uh, like, reference or whatever, but, you know, if they set it up ahead of time, it would have been, like, yeah. I would have accepted it a lot easier. Well, but. I mean, you know, it's like everything else. You could have a scene that, you know, reminds people of, you know, the the interaction that you're describing in Untold Tales, and then, you know, and then that's all you need to really do, you know? Well, it, it seemed like there was more to be explored with that story anyway, because, you know, they showed kind of his origin and that's like they showed him being saved or whatever and he's like in a white room or something like i'm kind of curious like who who set him up like that like i, I hope they explore that more yeah i mean i don't think he's dead because you don't you don't just like bring someone back from the dead and then kill them off yeah. again so i mean he fell into an acid pit or whatever but you know who cares <laughs> you know that's like a walk in the park to like a super villain in, a, in the marvel universe so but yeah, Derek, you were going to say something, Derek? I oh, think. I mean, I, I just, I wrote a bunch of stuff. I mean, I, I figured, you know, we, we have plenty of praise. Do you guys mind if I go into some stuff where, like, because I, I, I've kind of already established, like, I, I think Rick Remender's a good writer, like, I, but I, I think of it more as kind of serviceable. Like, I don't get as excited about, you know, all this stuff. Like, for me, like, I know you like the Circle of Four, but, like, for me, I'm kind of thinking, like, oh, well, Circle of Four includes his favorite, you know, anti-villain uh, trope where you've got those five guys that are supposed to be, you know, the, yeah. the counter-villains for, you know, you, you know Red Hulk, X-23, uh, you know, uh, Alejandra, Ghost Rider, and, um, and uh, you know, uh, you know, Flash Thompson, Venom. So, you know, for me, I'm kind of like, it's funny, like, when, when I, I guess I, I kind of read a lot of this stuff, like, all together, because I know you guys had me read Uncanny X-Force and Venom and things like that, and so after a while, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, and, and here's the counter team for X-Force, and here's the counter team for the new FF, or whatever you want to call them, you know, like, here's these guys' counter team. So I'm like, I'm definitely, I'm like, now I'm like, dude, Protocide is so, needs to show up in, uh, in that new Captain America book he's writing. Otherwise, it's just going to be like, what happened? Um, but um, 
I was thinking about, like, like some things that bothered me was, like, I know Flash Thompson is not supposed to be the brightest bulb in the world, but I guess I lean more towards Mike, where, you know, like, I, I, I don't know that I read more of him as a good guy and less of him as a jerk or what have you. Like, I knew he was a jerk in the beginning, but to me, I'm like, oh, well... By this point in time, to me, it was more of a growth thing. You know, it's like, oh, he had grown as a character, and now he was Peter's legitimate friend and all that kind of stuff. And he did a lot of good things with his life, too. Um, and so, like, you know, I kind of like the idea of Flash Thompson being, you know, a lead character and almost fulfilling one of his, you know, almost like childhood dreams. You know, he looked up to Spider-Man more than anything else, even when he was a jerk. So he's kind of getting the chance to actually be you know, kind of what he looked up to, you know, like a superhero. And, um, you know, but but some of the stuff where I look at it, you know, it's kind of like some things, you know me, like I kind of, I I was thinking about some of the things that I liked and some of the things I didn't like, you know, and it's like, I I remember reading one of the issues where they, they have the mother and son or whatever child and they get run over by that one dude with the tank and everything and he can't get to them in time and then he's got that scene where he goes all angry venom and eats the guy's head and like for me i was kind of like fucking a yeah like eat that (laughs) motherfucker's head like i was kind of happy about that but i know later they try to turn it into like this heavy-handed like he wants to be a legitimate hero thing and heroes don't kill and all this other stuff and uh you know like for me like i think especially like when he's got the crime master in his sights like and he's about to snipe him it's like he's having this big long kind of conflicted inner monologue and i'm kind of like when you have the guy in your fucking sights is not the time to have that conflicted inner monologue i mean i know it's supposed to be all drama and this and that but like do that in your fucking apartment where like you're talking to (laughs) betty brand or something or or talking to valkyrie on this you know avengers freaking headquarters or something where you know people's lives aren't in jeopardy because to me like i i don't know like like the only thing that bothered me is like there's a lot of instances where i think remender makes flash you know i guess maybe because he's a new hero or something but it's like all his blunders like make him look really stupid and then they kind of like i don't know like for me it's like it's like he he fucks up when he goes on the road trip with jack-o'-lantern you know it's like i might let him off the hook when they tried to save those guys in the cave, and then, you know, I think Jack-O-Lantern, like, shoots the one guy he can't pull out of the cave to save, like, the other guys or something stupid. And, like, to me, I'd let Flash off the hook for that, because, like, he had no idea that Jack-O-Lantern was going to do that, right? But then when they go to the diner, and he tells him his backstory and all this crazy-ass shit, like, would you really leave that guy alone for two seconds? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, and it's like it's just for, like, the end of that scene, it's supposed to be, like, the punchline where he, you know, cuts off the top of their heads and sticks a little jack-o'-lantern because he scoops out their brains. Like, that kind of thing. I'm kind of like, okay, that's jack-o'-lantern's trademark, and it makes him a really evil, nasty villain and stuff. But I I think they made jack-o'-lantern so nasty to the point where I I really wanted him to be, like, you know, the black mask of the book where, like, Catwoman ends up killing him. Because I I was kind of really surprised that it got to the point where he's like, okay, now I have you, jack-o'-lantern but I'm going to turn the other cheek and lock you up now. And I'm like, dude, like, look at how many people that guy's killed. Like, they should, like, put that guy on death row and, like, you know, just electrocute his ass. But, you know, it's just like, I don't, you know, I don't know, like, stuff like that. Like, you know, or or the thing with the fly where he kind of tricks him into, you know, I I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Like, do you think he, do you think I'm being too hard on Flash? You know, saying, like, they kind of make him look a little stupid sometimes? Or, like, what's your take on that? No, I, I get you. Yeah. I mean, 
I kind of I kind of thought it was cool when like in in the Savage Six storyline where like you know uh, when Jack O' Lantern attacks him and Flash just kind of kicks him off the thing and he falls right into the acid oh, pit yeah, like yeah, yeah. he like he wouldn't have actually stood a chance if Flash was really trying yeah. but I guess he survives that and he's back like the very next issue but like I, I was like I was like for as cool a villain as Jack O' Lantern was that was like a cooler moment for Flash yeah so like I was kind I was kind of like, oh, so he's still alive. Oh, okay, like the very next issue. And like Justin, I, I thought that next issue where he was hunting down like Jack-O-Lantern was a pretty good one. But still, I would have been like happy if that was the end of Jack-O-Lantern too. So, but um, I get what you're saying, though. You know, some, it's, 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 it's a way, it's a kind of a fine line that like, you know, a comic book writer has to write where it's like, you know, the easy thing that like the smartest and the easiest thing that they, the hero can do would like terminate the story in its infancy. So they can't like do it just then. So yeah, I get what you mean though. No, I mean, I, I, I could understand like, okay, you want to have certain characters, you know, or you want to have this kind of, like, I guess I don't mind so much if, if, you know, if Flash Thompson decides he, you know, wants to be an Avenger and therefore he's not going to snipe people or whatever for some reason, if that's the decision he makes, I don't really have a problem with that, The you know, one way or the other, like if that's the way he decides to go, but I wish he would just decide that, you know, in the privacy of his own home and not when like his, you know, basically because he didn't snipe Prime Master, it's like his sister's, uh, what husband gets his head carved out by jack-o'-lantern i mean that's basically the end result so to me i'm like well you know what i don't mind if if you're conflicted but if somebody dies over you being conflicted like that's on him you know like yeah. i think that kind of sucks because it's like you know it's kind of the same thing like that grumps me out about like watching that elite uh animated thing it's like okay superman can can be like oh nobody dies on my watch or Spider-Man can say the same thing. And I don't really have a problem with that, but then he has to hold true to that. It has to be nobody. It can't be like, nobody dies, and then it turns out like, this guy's killed like 40 million people on your watch, and you're like, but don't kill this guy too, who killed the 40 million people, because nobody dies <laughs> on my watch. And I'm like, dude, what were you doing? Like, you were just sitting there changing your clothes, like, while he, like, executed like five people. It's like, you can't do that. Like, it's like, if, if, if somebody makes that, declarative statement to me i'm like they have to really be like dude nobody seriously nobody dies like you know and then and then you know i kind of have some faith in it but otherwise it's like then to me i'm like oh well if like you know these guys get all whacked it's like well no they, you know then that's i don't know that that's just kind of like those those issues come up when i when i kind of read that kind of stuff because i'm kind of like when he finally gets to jack o lantern after all that shit i'm like and you didn't whack him i'm like what are you kidding me like you know i'm like you're just going to have you know to me i'm like it, that that it's like that joker thing or whatever i guess he's he's a, a wacky great villain but it's like i don't yeah. you know it's like he's just going to go on you know carving out more well, people's heads it, and it, stuff yeah. it, at the very least, he did put Death Adder down, at least. Yeah, yeah. So, that's something. And he cut off the fly's wings and whatnot. Yeah, but. yeah. No, I, 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 liked, I liked it when he 
got that guy in the tank and stuff. Like, I thought that was cool. Like, I wish there was more of that kind of, like, black ops type stuff. You know how you, you know, before I think Justin was, and you were saying, like, uh, Venom with guns. Like, you know. Yeah. In the 90s, it's super cool. Like, <laughs> like I kind of like, like, the whole, uh, you know, like, even in the recent thing where they do the, the minimum carnage stuff, I kind of like it that he was, like, ahead of, like, a commando squad coming in to check on the prison. Like, I think that's kind of, like, a cool idea. Like, I actually, look kind of like you, I'm not as big of a fan of Venom per se, but I kind of like the whole idea of Agent Venom. Do you know what I mean? Like, the less, yeah. to me, the less he loses control and the more he's, like, this cool, collected Definitely, agent yeah. guy, like, the more I think I would be into it. And, and if that means he's not an Avenger, like, so be it, even though I kind of thought it was kind of cool. To me, I'm like, well, if Wolverine can get away with doing a bunch of wet work and being an Avenger, I don't see why... Flash Thompson can't do the same thing. So I, I was just going to, let me add quickly, one of my disappointments with the series from almost the get-go was that, like, he, it seemed like he was losing control of the symbiote, like, every issue, pretty much. And I was, like, kind of hoping that he'd, like, you know, they just kind of revel in, like, you know, the full abilities of the symbiote, but without, like, you know, the hulking out and stuff and do that for a while, and then, like, if he, like, a really, like, bad moment or something, he could, like, you know, you know, hulk out and, like, go crazy and whatnot, but it seems like they kind of hit that button too much, like, where it lost impact eventually, that he just, like, okay, he's gonna get mad and, like, hulk out and stuff, so. Yeah, yeah, no, I see what you're saying with that. What about you, Justin? Like, was there any kind of flaw type thing that you wanted to point out or anything, or or was, are you kind of indifferent to to what uh you know any kind of flaws or whatever um i don't think i have any like complaints about like any anything you guys previously talked about like the moral ambiguity like i think that's kind of an interesting you know dilemma that keeps going on you know to kill the bad guy or not i mean he he just tried to like throw a guy off the roof and secret avengers and hawkeye and you know ant-man were like dude we don't kill people I thought that was, you know, a, a neat moment for Hawkeye because Hawkeye had been so kill crazy happy with Bendis and stuff. Like I was like, right. all right, old Hawkeye's back, and he's telling Venom to not kill people, and I guess like not eat their brains too if he goes all crazy. But um, I think some of the stuff like you were pointing out, Derek, like I kind of write that off as like, well, he's kind of an inexperienced being a hero, period, much less like. Right. Okay. You know, kind of like spider-powered hero, or secret agent. So, so basically, you're you're uh, as opposed to me, you're more likely to give him an entire pass for the whole thing because of his his lack of superhero experience type thing. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he is just Flash Thompson, war hero, football player. So it's like he's like average Joe, I guess. Like I guess about as average as you can get in the Marvel universe. So it's like, well, if I was him in Marvel Universe, like, I would probably react the way he did most of the how time. Do you, how do you guys uh, feel about, like, the transition from Remender to uh, Bun? Like, are you still as uh, enthused about the title? Are you, did, did that change anything for you? Is it better? Is it worse? Like, I don't, I'm not, I know, Justin, you're a big fan of, like, Damien Hellstrom and, like, I, you know, the I have a whole little stuff. rant about that, but go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, I'm not as enthused about that stuff, and I thought that, like, first, like, 
uh, arc with that was kind of like I liked the Circle of Four stuff, but I didn't like like that for, uh, Colin Bunn's first like solo arc, except for the like like the uh, the impl- I thought the, the I think it's the second part where like he has to be exercised or whatever. Like there's a demon in him. I thought that was a nice like impl- uh, like a nice like bit of uh, subtlety there that like you're not exactly sure what demon that, like is being exercised from him. Like if it's the symbiote, if it's something like Hellstrom put in him, or if it's like Flash's own like personal demons. And I thought that was a nice bit of it's, like it's uh, actually Paul Jenkins and his alcohol. <laughs> run that's being exercised, you know, from his no. Ah, okay. What's, that, what's that your? I want to hear. I want to hear your rant about Damien Hellstrom. Yeah, go for it, Justin. <laughs> All right, my rant is this: Marvel keeps jerking Damien Hellstrom around from like good guy to bad guy to like somewhere in between a lot lately. Um, like in the Circle of Four, he's there with Doc Strange, like trying to keep things cool, you know, not letting demons out of like Vegas and all this stuff. And I don't know if it's like continuity, like when certain stories take place or if it's just like nobody knows what's going on. But then you read like Fear Itself, The Fearless, which was also written by Bunn. You have Damien Hellstrom working with the heroes and then he switches sides and he's working with Sin and Crossbones and all those guys. And they don't really follow up on that. But then if you read Journey in the Mystery, you see him kind of like being like cool exorcist guy like, not wearing a shirt, and he's, like, kind of helping out Loki, uh, you know, do some, like, shenanigans with, uh, like, Captain Britain and the other world, like, trying to keep those guys in check. So it's, like, either decide that he's a nasty, evil son of Satan embracing that legacy or let him be, like, the, to, in my opinion, the more interesting character, which is he embraces his, you know, son of Satan demon powers, but... He tries to, like, work against that and be a good guy. I just wish they would, like, you know, have some kind of editorial meeting and say, look, this is what he's going to do from now on. Let's get it straight. But he's, like, he's all over the place, and it just drives me crazy. Justin, do you, like, Colin Bunn has kind of said that he's going to, like, remain a sort of, like, obviously he has, like, an affection for the character, but he said he's going to remain a sort of uh, recurring character in Venom. Do you like, like, he's going to be, like, Venom's kind of, like, I guess, like, like Hannibal Lecter, like, behind bars or whatever that, like, Flash is going to go, like, talk to every so often? That would be fine. I just hope, like, they don't make him, like, full-on, like, really for reals evil, and he's going to, like, Eddie's going to, like, or not Eddie, crap, Flash is going to, like, lose his mind and, like, try and bite his head off or something. Like, I'm kind of hoping that Damien is playing some kind of, like, you know, shadow game. He's, like, moving his chess pieces around with, like, Mephisto or something. And it's all, like, you know, smoke and mirrors or something. But I'll keep reading anyway. Like, you know, as far as, like, you know, like Derek said, do you enjoy Bun's run so far? Like, yeah, like, aside from that one little, like, rant, um, like, I think it's pretty good so far. Like, I haven't read anything where I'm just like, well, this is a want to crap now. I, I, I enjoy it still. Have you um have you guys been enjoying like Minimum Carnage so far, Derek? Have you read oh, that yet? I uh, I checked out. I guess depending on how many parts are out, I know I looked at the first. There's there's three. Three, yeah, yeah. So yeah that's what I that's what I looked at so far. So yeah, I looked at all the parts. I feel like I need to uh, know more about the Micronauts for some reason because of Chris, <laughs> Chris Yost. 
But um, I, I usually like Chris Yost a lot, so I was kind of, you know, I, I, I liked the alpha issue. Like I said, I liked um, him coming in as like a commando with those other guys into the jail cells and checking out all those other guys. You know, uh, I haven't read any Scarlet Spider, so this was the first time I read some Scarlet Spider. And, uh, you know, for the most part, like, he seems like a pretty down-to-earth, like, realistic guy, whereas he's not... You know, he's not too keen on, you know, the responsibility and the power and all that stuff. And he's not too keen on, you know, the idea of being this, you know, world-class protector. But he does seem to be a decent kind of guy. But it's 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 just, you know, he it, he just seems a lot more down-to-earth and realistic in terms of, I guess you'd call him, he seems a little more on the pessimistic side of things, even though yeah. he's out to do the right thing. Which, you know, I, I find a little refreshing given, you know, some of the, uh, you know, the sanctimonious nature of certain things that just seems to be a given with all, you know, a lot of uh, uh, heroic figures or whatever. So, that you know, it was kind of interesting. Um, I, I, I don't know if I understand, you know, like I said, all the stuff that's going on. Like, I was trying to, I was like, you know, all I remember is Carnage was torn in half, and I'm like, well, Cletus Cassidy must still be alive, and, you know, I wasn't exactly up to date on all that stuff, but it, it seems okay. I was going to say, um, like, uh, the most exciting part of Minimum Carnage was always going to be, like, Venom and Kane's, like, interaction and stuff. And, like, there hasn't been a whole lot of that so far, but I did like their, like, little fight in Part 2. And, you know, like, the the Microverse hasn't, like, exactly been, like, you know, my number one, like, spot of intrigue or anything. What? Like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm never gonna, like, say, oh, boy, a Microverse <laughs> story or something. Um, excuse but, me, like, excuse me, I have to go on eBay and bid on the bug statue right now. It's at, <laughs> it's at $2,700. I'm going to increase my bid by 300 right now. But, like, I, I guess I was kind of like agreeing with like Scarlet Spider like in issue two where he's like uh like yeah, I love the line where he's like you know so Carnage goes and like terrorizes some leprechauns like as long as he stays out of Houston I don't give a fuck <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah but yeah I, I enjoyed that so far so I hope they meet up again soon in the next part so they can have more witty banter with each other and stuff yeah they they seem to play off each other kind of like a good action buddy comedy and stuff like that you know, as far as the overall plot, like you said, you know, I, I feel, like I said, I feel like I should go and read some more Micronauts or something, because I was like, oh, I'm probably supposed to know who this hooded dude is, because he's talking like he was, like, all important and shit. So I'm like, he must be somebody who used to be somebody that Marvel doesn't have the rights to use anymore or something dumb, you know, like, I'm like... Yeah, can they? I guess they can't even call them micronauts yeah, anymore. Yeah. Like, like, what do they call them? Like Enigma Force yeah, or something? Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, you know. But yeah, the only guy Bo. I recognized was Bug. But like, as far as Minimum Carnage, like, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun thus far. Like, I hope they do more uh, Scarlet Spider Venom team ups. Yeah, I kind of want to see like Spidey. Venom and Scarlet Spider all together, but I guess with Superior Spider-Man coming yeah. out soon, that's that's going to be less of a likely prospect in a while. So, or maybe they they can both go to the Ultimate Universe and team up with Miles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be sad. <laughs> then it'll be really for real's Ultimate Spider-Man team up. <laughs> oh man, well. Oh well. Maybe whatever. maybe Kane could like take out his spider stinger and don't say it. 
Um, <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, we uh, we pretty much, I think we did a good job with Venom. I mean, we, we kind of covered the gambit with uh, all the various arcs and everything. So, I mean, I guess if you haven't checked out Venom or anything, you know, it's something that, that uh, at least, uh, you know, two and a half out of two and a half fan halls recommend it. I guess we'll go into, like, what our awesome thing of the week is. Um, I'm, I'm just going to get my thing out of the way real quick. Um, my awesome thing of the week is going to be the uh, the American-made uh, on the BBC uh, Copper. It's a TV series. Um, it's basically uh, about, uh, you know, some Irish cops in, uh, you know, it's kind of post-Civil War. It's uh, set in, like, around 1864. And uh, it's it's only, well, I guess the, this first season is only, like, ten or so episodes. Um, and then I think the season finale is going to be on tonight. You know, probably as we're recording this, it's on right now. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it's a cool show. I really like it. Um, um, if you're a fan of, uh, I guess... I don't know what what to say. Like it's it's a it's a pretty heavy drama. There's some serious stuff. Um, you know, the the guy who created it is named Tom Fontana, and uh, he uh, he did stuff like Oz and Homicide and things. You know, shows like that. So you know, you may if you like some of those shows, you may enjoy this. Um, but uh, I really enjoy the show, and uh, I think it's really cool and kick ass and great. And uh, that's about it. But uh, I will. Uh, Move on to uh, other fellows for the night, but uh, what, what's going on, Justin? What's your what's your awesome thing this week? Well, I have two things. Um, the first one is a CD. Uh, it is uh, Amanda Palmer and Grand Theft Orchestra. The CD is called Theater of Evil. Um, Amanda Palmer is. Uh, you guys may know her. Well, Derek might know. She's married to author and comic writer Neil Gaiman. And she's been into music for many years now. She was part of a band called Dresden Dolls. And um, our good friend Dextrek kind of exposed me to her music last year. And I've been kind of a fan ever since. Um, this CD came out like a few months ago, and it's really great. I've been like listening to it over and over uh, quite a bit. Um, the second thing is I was on Netflix a while back and was kind of perusing through different shows. And I found this Korean drama called City Hunter. And ah. Are you familiar with it? I've never seen the, the Korean TV show, but that's based on a, you know, a manga anime uh, from Japan, so... I did not know that. Yeah, I was always... I was kind of curious what the live-action... Um, actually, there's also a live-action movie with Jackie Chan, believe it or not, as crazy as that sounds, I'm sure. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah. How, Is that the one where he goes into, like, the street fighter? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, how is the uh, how's the Korean drama version of it? It's pretty good so far. Like what? What? Um, it's kind of a weird mixture of different genres. It seems like the first episode is really great. It's like kind of set in the eighties. Like the basic premise of this is like there's this team of like South Korean special ops forces who are betrayed and killed by their own countrymen. Um, one of them survives, and he steals the son of one of his comrades to raise him for the purpose of taking revenge. And then the second episode, it's almost like a completely different show. It's like kind of lighthearted, and there's a lot of soap opera. Like there's a lot of like soap opera elements throughout the whole series. 
um, which I'm kind of a sucker for. You know, I, I love stuff like Dark Shadows and all its soap opera twists and turns, so I guess that's why I like this. But it's like each episode is like 63 minutes long, which sometimes you're watching it and you're like, how long is this going to last? And then sometimes you're just totally <laughs> – sometimes you're just totally absorbed in the episode. But it's like sometimes it'll do a lot, a lot of like heavy stuff, like a lot of fist fighting, running around, spy stuff. And then it'll turn into like this like soft, sweet, kind of like flirta- flirtatious love story. And you're just like, this is really weird. But it's really, really addicting. So, you know, if you have net- Netflix and you want to check it out, like I, I recommend it. Like I really enjoy it. I'm on episode 10, I think, which is only like 20 episodes of the series. So. Oh, okay. What about you, Mike? What was your uh, awesome thing this week? Well, uh, I will say, uh, speak uh, good praise of another Marvel comic book. Uh, I'm really enjoying uh, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye uh, series, and uh, the latest issue was really good. Like, uh, it kind of, like, I, I guess, like, I don't like it when, like, they take something that was, like, you know, a classic part of a character, but might seem, like, might seem, I don't know, like, dated or quaint by today's, like, standards and kind of, like, make fun of it or, like, dismiss it. So basically, like, like, if if they're like, oh, ha, 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 I would never wear a bow tie, says Jimmy Olsen. I use, like, outer space rocket packs, (laughs) like, just just to give an example. But I, like, my point is that like this last issue of Hawkeye was kind of like that, but then he swung back, like he kind of double bluffed it at the end, in that like at the beginning of the issue, like you know Hawkeye and like Kate Bishop are kind of like you know we're gonna like catalog all these goofy you know trick arrows you have in your apartment and stuff. Oh, they're so goofy. I mean, you know, a net arrow, a acid arrow. I mean, why do you even need these? I mean, these are so like stupid and stuff. But then. And, like, the whole issue is him going through, like, every trick arrow he has, like, taking out all these guys. And, like, at the end, like, Kate Bishop has to use one and, like, the boomerang arrow. And she takes out the last guy with it. And she's like, okay, maybe these are useful. So, like, it was kind of, like, a cool, like, at first I thought it was going to be, like, oh, they're going to be, like, oh, the trick arrows are lame, you know. But right. at the end, it they kind of swung back to, you know, oh, no, wait, they do, they are cool, you know. Jimmy Olsen so, and Barry Allen are like, our bow ties are bad ass. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The bow ties do have uses, um, you know. My favorite part of that issue is where they completely ignored the classic Hawkeye loves Spider Woman's story. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> the best part wait, of wait, that. Wait, 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 like, guys, guys, is that no longer a thing now? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Bendis. <laughs> the the best part of that was well, like I'm I'm reading the issue and I'm like, okay, Hawkeye banged this chick. Okay, that's cool. You know, good for you, Clint. You know, and then like I read like not like I look on the message board and Justin's like, oh, did Hawkeye just like cheat on Spider-Woman, I was like, wow, that didn't even occur to me. Like, <laughs> I was like, wow, that cho- just shows how, like, you know, ingrained in uh, ingrained in my head and, like, you know, everyone's, like, uh, uh, minds that the classic Hawkeye and Spider-Woman relationship you, you, is. You, don't, so. you, you can't see Mike right now, but he's doing the quotation symbols every time he says the word classic. <laughs> classic and relationship, yeah. You can't see me, but whenever I refer to, like, Hawkeye and Spider-Woman as a couple, I'm, like, trying to not vomit everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah.
yeah, that that was that was definitely a good part of that. And yeah, but like I really enjoy like like I I've said before on this podcast that like Matt Fraction has kind of kind of gone sour on me, but like it, this series is a pretty he's 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 winning points back with this series and you know, I I really like I even like I even don't mind that Hawkeye if when he does use a costume he has to use this stupid modern one and not like the classic one, but you know, it's still it's still Clint Barton, so it's still cool. So. Yeah, so you're you're sold. You're you're being sold on the series. It's a good series and regardless of the movie tie-inage and all that stuff, that's cool. So I guess that wraps us up for this evening's uh Fan Holes podcast. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, uh, you know, uh, you can email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. And uh, like uh, like usual, uh, we will continue to provide you with, uh, you know, entertainment on the blog, whether it be, you know, written blogs or podcasts or sidecasts or other awesome entertainment. So uh, please keep checking us out week after week. And uh, that's it. So have a good night, guys. This is uh, Derek, Derek WC, signing off. Mike Thunderwing, signing off. Justin Grimlock, end of line. Also, make sure to call in if you think that Hawkeye and Spider-Woman are the couple for our time. <laughs> if you're on Team Jessica Drew. I think uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick should call us up and yeah, tell probably. us how great Spider-Woman is. Mm. Or if you're, let us know if you're on does Team mean, Black. Does that mean, no, like, because isn't, isn't Matt Fraction her husband? So doesn't that mean, like, Matt Fraction is, like, dissing his wife's, like, character? <laughs> Like, what's well, I don't. I know she's gonna use Spider Woman in her book, but I don't know if she said anything about like Hawkeye. Or Maybe anything. Spider Woman will start going out with the Incredible Hulk instead. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, I, God, <laughs> don't even say that. <laughs> Bruce Banner, yeah, or or yeah, even Hulk himself. Oh, well, I know. I know. Fraction said that like in an upcoming issue, like it. Hawkeye's gonna have to team up with both Spider Woman and Mockingbird at the same time. So, and by team up, I hope he means what I think he means. <laughs> oh yeah, and throw Black Widow in there too. No, and, <laughs> and, 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 Mo- about this. and Moonstone, and Moonstone. Yeah, <laughs> and that random floozy that like oh that chick like, set him up in his miniseries nice. or whatever. Man, Hawkeye gets around.